you have to want more. Right. You have to think. And I used to tell my kids, mm-hmm. you either going to live this way or you're going to live that way. And I'm going to give you the hustle and I'm going to give you the game. But from there, you have to use that and, and grow with that within yourself. But you got to remember, you know, the, the, the clock never stops. Mm-hmm. It's going to keep ticking and you're going to get older. So you need to go in there and get your purpose taken care of. You know, I, I do things because I make it heart related. And when you do that, then you can win. Yo, yo, what is up? We are back for the second episode of Beauty in the Struggle. I uh, just want to start off by saying thank you guys, everyone out there who's listening and everyone out there who's been giving such positive feedback and showing love, showing support to the cast, um, to the guest host that's been on. Um, and, and that's really what it's all about. And I want to start the cast by, you know, truly giving you guys a round of applause. It, it means the world. And let's continue to make this thing grow. Uh, because we have a lot more to give, I promise you that. Um, but let's let's get into the second episode of Beauty and the Struggle. I'll introduce you guys to the uh, to the second co-host. He goes by the name of Coach Corey. Uh, and truthfully, I think if you want to summarize Coach Corey into into a few words, it would have to be if you just go around and ask you know ten people that knows him, uh, it would have to be a father of the community. Uh, after listening to this episode and retracing it back that's really what i got from it he is truthfully an impact and a positive influence in the community and specifically uh, the sports community so give you guys a background of who he is Um, coach Corey has been a an active you know defensive back coach for jackson high school football for the past 15 years and that is crazy 15 years Um, and, and it's so crazy because even before that um, he grew with that entire program, starting out with the Silver Lake Timberwolves, which is now, you know, over easily over 100 plus kids today. Um, but that was a feeder program, you know, back in shit, back in the 2000s. Uh, he was one of the first coaches to really launch that program. And he has watched kids grow from the youth program all the way to college. And if that's not a purpose on its own, that is crazy. And, and not only has he done that, you know, for for you know, just one group of kids, he's done that countlessly for almost the past 20 years, um, including Silver Lake football. So uh, the the true shine in this story is how many kids Coach Corey has helped, and how many people he's had an impact on. Um, and he also, right, is a father of three kids, three boys. Um, a lot of people wouldn't know this uh, unless we told you, but you know, I feel like a. a uh, good core people know, but he's also my dad. Um, so give you guys a little bit of a backtrack about about my pops. He uh, he he isn't my uh, blood dad, which I think is just even cooler. Um, but I was I, I was kind of let known that by the age of 13, I believe uh, he he had a sit down with me and told me that he wasn't my blood dad, and I was just so thrown off. I was like, what the hell do you mean? Um, and then as I kind of got older, I realized that man. You have to be a true stand-up guy to take in um, another another man's kid and really make him your own. And ever since that day, you know, ever since I've actually been introduced to him at the age of one, um, he's always been dad. He's always been my biggest role model. He's laid the blueprint to me in becoming and transitioning into a young man. So um, the fact that two guys can sit down here um, is pretty pretty special. Um, when you think about overwhelming statistic that 58 percent 
of black families are raised without uh, a father figure in life it is pretty overwhelming it's pretty stunning and i was on the fortunate side to have this gentleman come in who's not even you know uh, blood related and, and really lead the head of my family and you know this this episode really goes out to everyone out there who who's making an impact influence in the community and holding it down for their family as well um, you know we all do know that women are the most strongest uh, creatures on this planet but you know we got to give some love to our black dads out there as well and our dads just in general so uh, major shout out to them with that being said, I want to introduce you guys to the second episode. This one is going to be dope. This one is going to be legendary. This one is going to live. So we'll go ahead and transition. We'll talk to you guys soon. Check it out. So um, thank you for staying engaged and, and staying tuned. So with that being said, I'll introduce uh, a brief introduction of the guest host for uh, episode two. Uh, he's known as Coach Corey. He's known as Chill Rap. He's known as, you know, the dude as far as uh, as far as just a mentor in the Everett, Mill Creek, Kirkland, I could keep it going community. Um, so, you know, if you came up in sports, you've probably, uh, you've probably been around him. And in addition to that, it's really cool because that's my dad. So um, I'm going I'm to let him take the mic and, and kind of give a brief intro and we're going to get into his story. And uh, we're going to talk about the beauty and the struggle. So, Dad. Yes, yes. What's yes. good? Hey. Good <laughs> yes, Finally, sir. You know. Episode two. Yeah, yeah. I'm in the building. We over here. Yes, sir. But um, but just, you know, getting things going. Um, you know, let's talk about your roots a little bit. Okay. I know you you want to throw in that Texas love. So, um, so just kind of kind of uh, give these guys a brief intro on you know who you are as a person and how you made it up to Seattle and, and where you where you originally come from. Yeah, I was uh, Oak Cliff is my neighborhood. Oak Cliff, born and raised, two one four is Dallas, Texas. For y'all who don't know, uh, seems like we're catching a lot of storm now because of certain rappers are doing anything uh, like Yellow Beezy, Kukuli Boy. Trap boyfriend is a lot of people in the neighborhood, but before that, it was uh, we a football city, you know, football state, Texas, obviously. And uh, we were like 5A, uh, went to Dallas Carter, part of the school that was on Friday night Friday lights. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so we decided to make our own version of the real, of the real version of what happened at Carter High, and actually that is the title. It's called Carter High. So. Shout out to Arthur Muhammad. You can find him on any type of social media. Um, as a film director and my childhood friend who became a director at the school of SMU. So um, the movie is out. It's been out for about two years now. You can nice. see it. And uh, that way it gives you an idea of what, you know, the high school football elite were really like and why they were called the best uh, ever high school football assembly because they had so many people go to the pros in college and so. So Texas football is is the real deal down there. It's the lifestyle, <laughs> it's the Bible, it's what we do. A lot of people have their niche on everything else. Um, you know, Dallas is a beautiful city. Um, born and raised and uh, always wanted more. I came up in the Seattle area about 1986. Okay. I was about 16 years old. and. Uh, 
long ago off me a trip to come on up and visit, see something different. And that was nice. And I wind up coming up June 6, 1986. <laughs> June 7, 1987, and June 6, 1988. <laughs> so I spent my teen years, birthday summers here. And uh, had some fun, man. Seattle was very addicting to me because it was different. And you know, it was very picturesque, the water, a little different than uh, the Texas landscape. Yes, sir. I wound up coming back in 89, but only for Christmas, because I had to go off to school and finish up and do what I needed to do over there. Then, I mean, it was just like gravity, it made me wind up here. Yes, sir. You just had, it's just, it's just momentum. You had to keep on coming back. Yeah. So it was destined to be. Yeah, it, it really was, was destined to be. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, getting to become, you know, Umbrella City representative, man. Two one, I mean, I was two one four born, but man, it was H two O six. Next thing you know, and uh, I love Seattle. Seattle got some good um, opportunity out here to build and become something great, and uh, I just moved forward with it. And you know, life after you know certain things of. And certain levels of football, you wind up, you know, um, turning into who you need to be as a young man. And mm -hmm. so, professionally, I had to take a niche and, you know, get into healthcare. And that's where I've been ever since. So. Yes, sir. So, Dad, you've been, I mean, and we'll get into, into like, how, how I came about here in a second, uh, in 92. But, so, you've been in the healthcare industry for... I mean, talk about it. I mean, this show is really about also perfecting your craft, you know. And and this man has been in in the healthcare industry for shit since I've been a little kid, since I've been since I've been out the womb. So, talk about how how long you've been in it and how you've just been just grinding, staying in it, and yeah. just perf just perfecting that. Yeah, that involvement came from just having that knack, and uh, it was a gift, you know. You know, everybody knew. You know, football was my thing, and then, but everybody also knew growing up that, you know, whoever fell down, I got a scar, I was right there, so, <laughs> you know, healthcare was it, and I got hooked, and mm -hmm. uh, the bug bit me, and I actually got my first uh, piece of the medicine game is in a trauma situation, a level five, level one trauma situation here, you know, it's hard for you. Uh, did some training there for about five years and wind up at UW for about five and matriculated up to Everett. And so that was my, you know, partial growth expansion to the further part of the Northwest or mm -hmm. North Seattle, let's say. So I kind of was used uh, the shoreline area as a stomping ground before I wind up completely to Everett. And winding up at five at a bridge, but then the football bug keeps coming back. So yes, sir. So then we transition into, um, so you know, we're going from there. Ninety two comes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Ninety two, all the nineties kids stand up. Yeah. Um, so ninety two comes, Dad, and then and then what happens in there? I want you to just kind of explain for me. Oh man, how was ninety two? Living good, feeling good, young, wild, you know, doing this thing, uh, <laughs> hanging out, and um, you know, was out with a couple friends, and we ran into some people, and we downtown just clubbing, man. Shout out to Rock Candy back in the day. Shout out to 
to the art bar and gotta love, you know, um, all those different clubs that we used to hang out. Back then, you could do something every day. We <laughs> you guys have selective days. <laughs> it was Saturday, Sunday. There's two or three things to do every day back then. So, you know, you could you could be out. You know, if you're young and you had to go to work, you were just going to suffer. <laughs> well, Consecutively. See, I was only able to do that for like a summer. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, uh, you know, a little later in the year, I ran into a young lady and uh, I didn't really want to talk to her, to be honest. <laughs> and she was just thugged out with it and just putting me on blast and talking and just, all right, all right you know. Oh, and we wind up, you know, I wind up talking to her. I mean, from there, man, it was crazy. Uh, it was fun, you know, you're young and you're feeling good and feeling good about somebody and stuff like that. So everything was love on that. Um, we bonded real quick. And then uh, she told me she had a son. I said, you got a son? I said, you know, I don't have a son. I don't have no kids. You got a son? And yeah, and she kept telling me about him. And, and so that how, or, uh, how, I'm going to start calling you Coach Corey just, for the, just for, the, uh, for the audience. But, uh, Coach, how, was, how old were you at this time? I was probably about, about 22, 23. Jesus, that's like wild. That. Yeah. See, I'm 20, I mean, I'm 26 now, so... Mm. That's three years, mm. and you're talking about that responsibility. So, what happens yeah. from there? Yeah, I grew. Uh, I've always been partial to people. Uh, I think that's why young folks gravitate to me still to today. And um, I was always able to reach people. You know, people can talk at people, but sometimes you gotta learn how to reach them. And uh, I got a chance to meet her young child. He's about one years old, and. and the first time I saw my trip, and I was just like, wow, as a kid, you know, okay, no big deal, but he saw me kiss his mother, and he had a fit, so <laughs> I guess he was protective then at that moment, and, and from then on, you know, I looked him in the eye, and after that, man, I ain't never turned back, man, I felt like, wow, I ain't never had a kid call me dad, and just was there ever since, little toddler all the way, you know, and so... I've been blessed to, uh, to be in a good situation. Like, there's not many men who can kind of, you know, run in and clean up a so-called mess, proverbially, if you say, um, or take on some responsibility at that grand nature like that. So I felt like I had that in me, and uh, and every day was a process, and I grew every day with it. So Yeah, I, lo I love that, because we're talking about the process here. I mean jumping into something as a 22, 23 year old dude yes. and coming over here to a new city, new everything, and you just take on that responsibility, that's that's a big time. Yeah, it was a commanding time. I mean, cause mm -hmm. I could be out clubbing, <clears throat> being irresponsible and doing things here and there. And, yes, sir. Uh, and uh, I just, the natural gravity was, you know, this young man was looking at me in certain ways. So I wanted to make sure I was around and, and we were in good nature and good spirits with me and mom and everything was love and so we built together. So we grew together and we grew up together in my adult life and mm -hmm. then at that time um, growing, you know, the transition, you start to see the maturity and the, the complete maturation of a young man, a young boy, young toddler 
grow into a young boy and then you start becoming more and more fond of the situation. So it's like, <laughs> this is mine, you know, I right. nobody can corner this, I got this, this is my son. And, and, and it never turned back, it's always been 100%. So you gotta be lucky enough to get one like I get, man. <laughs> Shout out to any man who can deal with, you know, a responsibility of that great nature, you know, to take it on and take care of someone else's and treat it like it's your own. Absolutely, I, I love it. And that's that's what's dope too, is that I feel like people get so confused or so caught up in, in looking at success as just limited to your profession, um, whatever that may be, or money, whatever drives that. But I mean, to me, that's that's like the most successful thing that you can do. And that's that's dope. So as we, as we transition into that, um, you know, let's talk about sports. So you bring up you bring up that Texas football background. Uh, it's it's ninety two, probably by like ninety five, ninety oh sh- like ninety six, ninety seven, somewhere right somewhere now. in that. Right? <laughs> uh, you know, you've been what what goes on what goes on from there as far as little league, all the way to high school. You know, um, as me being a whistleblower, a position coach. I mean, I very extensive football background so I had the knowledge base um, I got into the Seattle scene you know coaching uh, certain players in the central district and coaching certain players who some are going to be professional and um, some are going to be professional with you know base I mean basketball and different other situations like that uh, they're Seattle legends some of them so we won't you know well, we'll show them some love, but they know who they are. It's not a braggadocious situation. Uh, my thing is, when I started to see my own son, you know, learn to love the games, and you know, you couldn't pick which one. So that became a, a certain nature that I had to go ahead and try to cultivate that little situation because it was a must. He wanted to play. He wanted to play. And, used to take the sock and shoot it up against the doorstop. So I knew that, man, to keep hitting the same spot, we might got some here. And then <laughs> football thing happened. Um, I got in the Silver Lake area after I left the Central District from coaching football. I did some SEAA track. Uh, did some coaching in the football leagues in the South End, CD Panthers. And uh, I wound up, when I made that complete move to you know, that 425 area. Back then, you could segregate by zip code. Yeah. So <laughs> that made that north, you know, up to Everett area and uh, Snohomish County. And I wind up coaching with Silver Lake. And so they have kind of a horrible team at that point. A little disarray. <laughs> and we lost every game except one. It's Silver Lake Timberwolves. I mean, this is, this is back in like 98. Yeah. And so they're still... They're still an established program to this day. Yes. And yeah, the funny thing is that I look back at that time, and I mean, those days they didn't really have a squad. I remember showing up to that practice and they didn't have shit coming from CD Panthers. It was completely different. Yes. So you know, how did that? How did that go? And how did that dynasty go? That birthright. Right. It was a. Uh, yeah, because it was a. Uh, it was definitely something that had to be. You know. It had to be born because we had to put some things together. Like I said, we came in and it was a 0 and 8 situation, a 1 and you know 1 and 7 situation, and 
And again, having that knowledge base from myself and my career or whatever I've done and uh, seeing the coaching and, you know, in the other structures, it was just about building structure first. Everything has to have foundation, mm -hmm. all right? And then um, then after that, it'll grow. Silver Lake had about, you know, 60 kids at that point. And then the next year came, I got with some good coaches and uh, got to say what's up to my dude, Coach Kevin Blaze and <laughs> Coach Jeff Graham. And, you know, we had a system. We were our, we were the Patriots coaching team back then Absolutely. as the Patriots are today. Um, shout out to the Patriots, y'all. Everybody know me, know what I do. <laughs> but anyway, um, next thing you know, we never lost a game. Mm -hmm. And then that was year one, then year two. And then we lost our first game in four years. So we only lost it because somebody stepped on my quarterback. Uh, we call him AG7, is Andy Gay, uh, who's a, a big a big product of the Mill Creek community. Yes, sir. We got some beautiful things going on here. Um, yeah, he stepped on his foot, and he, we had we lost the game two to nothing. So, <laughs> but after that, that game. we brought the trophy home every year at every level. And, every year. And so now that program, uh, you know, God bless that program to have uh, almost three to four hundred kids now, and they have different sections. You know, now they split up into um, Cascade, you know, or Silver Lake Bruins, you know, on that side, and, and then you know they took the Jackson side and went with the Timberwolves on the other side. So, absolutely. So you, so you bring. I mean, so like kind of summarizing everything. You you bring that Texas that Texas football up here, that culture mm -hmm. up to the Ever area to a program that doesn't have much you know what i'm saying and we you build that program with the system and i mean ever since i mean still to this day you are heavily involved in the community high school players all around this area know you know that guy with the with the hat that's turned to the back <laughs> and, and that's true that's real and i mean ever since i've been a little kid people has been coming up to to coach and and acknowledging about that and showing love so you know as you and it didn't just stop at little league which i think no. is the dopest so you know uh, i'll touch on some names here in a bit but what motivated you you know what i mean to make to make a difference just in this community like, I like what, what motivated you i like how the uh you know you i'm always been about other somebody else's happiness and so that really <clears throat> is one of the things that underestimate you know people underestimate and and it's not a, a huge thing. I think love is the greatest gift on the earth, no matter what you go through. Um, nothing's gonna be stronger than that vice, you know, love. And uh, so I love the game and I love the smiles that I created when I was around. Now I've been a class clown all my life, obviously, <laughs> and everybody know that. And, and that was that I used that to my ability to reach people and use that to my ability to reach the younger versions. So the younger versions was, you know, saw me as relatable. Right, And right. so when I was relatable to them, they could speak the language and I could speak the language and then I got the confidence and got their confidence up. So I think, um, yeah, it didn't stop the Silver Lake. We went on up to, to the high schools and spent about 13 years at Jackson High. <laughs> Shout out to the Timberwolves again. We had some great runs but there's some great numerous numbers of people there and some, you know, went on to do some lofty things. 
Um, and the coaching staff was good. There's a lot more structure, a lot more organizing. So it made me feel at home. So when I felt at home, every year that I thought I would be retired, there was always this one kid who felt like, you know, I just need that one more thing, coach. I'm just gonna need that one more thing. And in addition, I would get junior high kids hoping that I would still be there <laughs> and say, yo, you're going to be there when I get there. You're right. Be there. So, I mean, I respect and I just, I felt the love for the community real instantaneously because I had already done work in the Silver Lake area as, you know, as it relates to Mill Creek. Um, so a lot of the players' brothers wind up playing for me and they <laughs> dads, you know, but then around me and, and so, you know, when you get that kind of light, you want to just try to keep that as a, a, one of the brightest beacons in that community and then all other stuff falls into place. Yeah, I think that's so ill because, I mean, you're talking about how we go from Silver Lake to, to, this, to this funnel of kids who, who really just come into a program that has nothing and it transitions into high school, middle school. Um, but you're talking about kids who went to go play D1 football. Yes. Jake Jelikoska, uh, Taylor Cox, uh, huge time. Snyder. Travis Snyder, big time. Exactly. Andy Gay. Oh, yeah. Uh, Marshall, who's going to be on the show here pretty soon. Um, you know, all these kids that I grew up with, too. And it's like seeing how they've grown individually through, you know, that process and through what you've committed is just, is just the coolest. That's a, that's a purpose on its own. Um, I got a, uh, another ill point I think is uh, just, you know, after my son, you know, my oldest uh, doing his thing and being able to transition from football and basketball, he was always both, you know, both ways could do it both. Um, but as he got older to become a young man and, and still look and see that these kids are still coming at me. So to see him see like my dad's still making an impact. People <laughs> still love my, you know, this they love talking about my dad, you know. Uh yeah, it's true. When I wear my hat backwards, <laughs> people know exactly who I am. It's Coach Corey, you know, and uh, when I have my hat forward, they might double take. And if I don't have a hat on like today, you know, this is this is weird. You know, they like they look like him or you know, I don't know, maybe they think I'm an alien or something. Yeah, so I had a lot of fun looking at a lot of people, and I started developing training camps and DB camps and specialized situations to get people motivated and want to get going. And every year we would do it, and, and you know, it didn't cost them a buck to come be in my situation. Most places are $200 or, you know, $150. And I never, I'll ask people to bring bottled water and, I'll buy whatever else, the rest, and we would get it in from place to place, park to park. And, you know, and it wasn't like a three-day thing or a two-day thing like some of these camps. Right. And, uh, we would do it for the whole time of, you know, training camp. The pros, I kept them on a pro schedule. I'm around the pro situation, so I kept them on a pro schedule because that's the ultimate goal. You, they, you know, you want to be a pro. Absolutely. So, I mean, it, it really is for the, for the love of the game. It's that gift that we go back to of of man you know you're giving time is love and it's like you're giving that back to the game and to the community and that's something that i've always looked up to and uh that's that's something on its own so um you know going into that you know 13 years at jackson high everything's established very well known throughout the community um 
so what, what's going on now? So, I mean, transition from the football life, we got, we got, uh, you stepped away from Jackson High School football. Mm -hmm. And and what's the reasoning behind that? Um, it was time to grow. I have uh, two other sons. I was blessed to have three boys. I yes, was trying to have a girl, but I was pressing eggs, <laughs> but I guess it is, you know, the controller wasn't But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I had uh, <laughs> uh, uh, another son who's now 21, about to be 22, coming up. Time flies, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, he's enjoying himself in Hawaii. He's so lucky. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was watching him play football, and he was a, a imagery of myself and coaching and 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 um, and just being comedic, but kind of quiet at the same time. And as he grew up as well. You know, my youngest son, uh, who, you know, I call him Jimmy Neutron because he's a bookworm. He's uh, <laughs> probably going to invent something right now. So. <laughs> uh, he got his first taste of football. So when it was his time to get his first taste of football, that pretty much was uh, the compelling moment to pull me away mm -hmm. because I wanted to spend that QT with him. And uh, it wasn't that I needed to coach my son per se. I just wanted to be around for that mental guidance and the strength that I was able to do with my first two boys and right. uh, and give him that knowledge. And it was his time I've given you know so much to football and taken away so much from my own family. So then mm -hmm. it was time to stop and give him his just due, and then from there uh, grow from there, get a little focus on some other things that I have in the makings. And this dude, I mean, this dude is a beast <laughs> I mean literally he's yeah. what well, he's uh, are we talking about the young one yeah the young yeah, one yeah that's Devin man Devin's <laughs> a superhero man world's nicest guy I always used to say about Will is you would think I typed him out on the computer because everything was perfection and I and Will was bookworm and athlete and so Devin is just like Pretty much times two. <laughs> yeah, he's and, on the but size he, too. Size. Here we go. Right, so he's a uh, he's about five eight. You know, he's a sixth grader. He's going to Evergreen Middle School because he wants to continue in his both of his brother's shoes. Uh, he's about five eight, wearing a size eleven and a half, <laughs> two hundred and ten pound. And so I ain't never had no D lineman or no O lineman in my family. Yeah. <laughs> we were all DBs and we were all everything. Me, Darian, and uh, mm -hmm. um, shout out to Darian, who was a, a, a crazy enigma in his own right and at yes. football. And uh, you know, he did his, he took his lane to another level too. So, mm -hmm. but, but Devin is a. Uh, Devin's going to try to be that dude again. You know, the saga continues. I always say part three, and uh, that's where we're at right now. Um, you know, again, the education thing, the love thing, and the togetherness thing, and the bond that, you know, when we four together, then, hey, that's it's like you can't even, it's insurmountable. You can't even comprehend it, and we won't put it in the language. We just let it flow. It's just energy. And this, that's what I was just literally going to say is that <clears throat> that energy is funny how, you stick into the love of the game and stick into your purpose and what's been motivating you. It's funny how it just evolves into something that's growing into a bigger purpose and it just like falls in place. I mean, you go through the kids at Jackson, you go through my cycles as the oldest brother, Darian cycles, mm -hmm. and now it's little bro's time, you know? So it's just like the evolution. Yeah. And, and that's the dopest. And we kept that progression going and, and we all nurtured each other. So I was still 
a grown man learning from young men and learning different ways. So that's why I stayed a little younger. Um, after that part of the football, you know, I got a chance to uh, go out and hang out with a couple of my friends that are in the pros and do some things. And yes, every time, every weekend, every every Sunday. Yes. Uh, coach is always sending me sending me snaps or sending me pictures mm -hmm. at the Patriots yes. over with the Patriots. Tom Brady snapshots. I'm like, man, the yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's sitting there with a goat, and that, that's no exaggeration either. Yeah. So I mean, a goat with a goat. A goat. <laughs> exactly. Now it was a good situation, man. I got some people here who are doing did some awesome things, Super Bowl winners, and just being around just the athlete of the game. And when you had that knowledge game, you could speak the language anywhere. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I got a chance to go out to Boston and hang and see some people in, uh, you know, Foxborough area, we call it Foxborough Fight Club. It's, uh, <laughs> and the Patriots have been around, you know, in my in my lifetime since 94, 90s, you know. So I've been around, I've always been associated some type of way with throughout my friends or whatever and uh as far as madden i was just gonna say <laughs> since terry glenn yes on the slide yes. god, oh bless the day. god bless the dead that's my guy uh, you know it's so many people troy brown you know uh, you know i mean defense is crazy romeo Cannell was there that you know superman got four rings and and of course the homie the northwest native uh you know tacoma 253 guy that's that lawyer malloy is the safety killer so absolutely he's my guy and um we to this day we run so tight and we good and um being able to be around that situation is uh very 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 knowledge based and you have to know what you're doing because over there that's an actual system mm -hmm. and people want to say it's one or two players it's not that system is what it is. There's a format. They take John Doe from the ice cream store and they make him a household name. <laughs> Thus far, we have, you know, in 10 seasons, nine AFC championships and, you know, six appearances in the Super Bowl, which upcoming is going to be phenomenal win or loss. It's the fact that if they lose, they lost last year, but you pick them to win this year. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's not many people bounce like that. So, we're going to rock with it this year and I, and I'm sure they're going to um, formulate whatever they need to do so they can uh, try to get that six ring and try to get in good company with Pittsburgh, who has six, Dallas has five, and Patriots have five, and different things like that. Um, throughout the city, you know, Seattle fans, uh, who I love a lot, and I love the Hawks by far, with so many of them friends, don't need to even name them. Uh, they know I'm a patriot, and they know I'm going to go that way, and uh, it's not a big deal. I go into the barbershops in the community, become that one guy that everybody knows in the barbershop now. And, so, <laughs> and that's not an exaggeration. That's that um, the resident checker Fred, you know, the guy who's always in there. He ain't cutting no hair, but I got some info for you on anything you want to talk about. So we can go from politics, medicine. Uh, we can go from medicine, sports, you know, culture, relation. We we talk about it all, man. So absolutely, we're doing some big things up there at the Fade Lounge uh, on Broadway and Everett, Washington. You know, Rob and Barbara, and gotta show love to um, 
the the community, the way they put things together, and then now Demarcus is up there, you know, building his own a brand and staple in there. And the barbershop has always grew, so those are spots where people know me at for sure. They don't know my name, but they know that guy. Right. And I love that, and and that's the pat on the back. So I always say, man, you know, I I do things because. I make it heart related, and when you do that, then you can win. Right. It's heart earned, not hard earned. Heart earned. I yeah. love it. Yeah, yeah. Yes, sir. So, I mean, going in the barbershop, I mean, this dude, I got. So I always go into Rob's or the Fade Lounge. Been cut. He's been cutting my hair in Everett since. Shit, that was the first job that I had sweeping up sweeping. hair. <laughs> my dad, uh, coach, made me get a coach made me get a job because I wanted to wear like the flyest stuff. And he said, yo, if you wanna if you wanna wear that stuff, that was what, P. Miller, South Pole. Oh yeah. <laughs> All that stuff back then. Oh, oh, it, forever, it, yes. You know, so you gotta remember now, when I met Will, Will was one years old and he had, you know, jewels everywhere, way before <laughs> Santana. You know, way before, you know, I mean, way before the hip records came out from the dip set. Um so, you know. I always felt like you look good, you feel good, you feel good, you play good. I always kept my boys well protected, well geared up, the best cleat, the best wristband, the best whatever. And they, they look good with it and they liked it. Uh, they didn't really have to force it on them. It was just that this is the nature of how we do it. And so and that's what it was. So at the Fade Lounge, you know, people go in to come out. They go in looking one way and they come out looking good, feeling good. It's the same approach that a barber does. So while I'm in there... I'm going to hang out and we're going to talk and you're going to get to know me and I will shock people because the healthcare side comes out. I will ask people about their blood pressure. I will ask my brothers and sisters, do you know your blood pressure? Do you know your blood sugar? Uh, you know, different things about going to the ER. We talk about it. And so we get from judges to lawyers, pastors, reverends. I mean, I mean, you know, we get uh, athletes. We get a lot of people from all walks of life come through there and we all just fellowship and hang out and um, sometimes we have group session prayer in there so you know God is definitely in the building over there we're doing some uh, marvelous things in that part of the community Absolutely. and everybody's able to transition out and I go back to doing just me so when it's around kids or when it's around you know some levels of profession uh, healthcare or football or any type of sports you know we're going to have good action we're going to have good interaction yep exactly and and going into that, I mean, that's what that's one thing that you taught me is just do you, be you, yes. uh, you know, and everything else is going to fall into place. And what you've done to me just as like growing up into becoming a young man is just just introducing like the culture. You know, you come from a major hip hop background. I guess I didn't really realize how much I love like hip hop on its own and just the music. And, yes. and I think I credit that to you. Cause that's in that's in your blood. So, yeah. you know, talk about that a little bit. For sure. Uh, you know, in those early part of the years, uh, growing up around, um, you know, a lot of different rappers that and DJs. You know, I came from the Texas scene, so the Texas scene wasn't really as grab. You know, you couldn't really get pulled into it that much. It was more of a subculture at mm-hmm. then because everything was East Coast bias, and all my favorite MCs were East Coast. You know, Hip hop was East Coast at that moment until. Obviously, the West Coast blew up with, you know, Dr. Dre Ice-T, uh, who 
in my eye, I think Ice-T is the godfather of, you know, West Coast rap. And mm-hmm. I think Dr. Dre is the godfather of gangster rap and Ice Cube in conjunction. So when everybody started developing these sounds and things like that, you know, it just got nurtured into me and about lyricism and wordplay and metaphors. I always talk in metaphors, so metaphors <laughs> is the easy thing for me to do, you know. I always tell people I'm straighter than 6 o'clock, you know. <laughs> we, you know um, it's little things, man, you, yep. it becomes a part of your life. Uh, the Seattle scene was getting big, and uh, Sir Mix a lot. Uh, hey, man, shout out to him. He did his thing. He put Seattle on a uh, major, and he had some up, uh, upcoming artists doing their thing, stuff like that. And by that time, I said, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring. Because I was always a break dancer and I was always, you know, around the hip hop element. Uh, DJing was second enough for me. It was easy work. Uh, but I liked the mic. So right. back in the day, you know, I had this crew and called Hype Squad. And uh, I met a young man at a freestyle session downtown and I had just won a battle. I was a battle rapper now. You guys are listening, pay attention. And <laughs> hip hop. There's some rappers and there's some backpackers. Stay away from the backpackers because those are guys who practice. They, they, they hone their skills. They look. They try to find out ways to put words together. And they do things for real. So these are lyricists now who, from maturity, they become lyricists. And then if they choose to be battle rappers, those are the guys you see on the block, on the corners and the ciphers and stuff like that. And I like that lane. Mm-hmm. I like competition in that lane. The athlete in me like competition. Right. So I, met a, I won a battle and uh, got a chance to open up for Public Enemy and you know <laughs> DJ Quick and so many other you know, West Coast legends and East Coast legends. Got a chance to be on the tour and go a lot of cities, a lot of places. But when I did all of that, I was with uh, Young Cat from New York, uh, Boogie Brow is what he's going by now. We called him J Boog back in the day. Um, and we were basically the Northwest version of uh, uh, Method Man Redman. Method Man being him, because that was his favorite, and Redman was my favorite. And we got a chance to do two, three shows with those guys. <laughs> we got a chance to smoke with those guys. <laughs> we got a chance to hang with those guys. We did everything. That. Bucks or rhymes. We, I mean, it don't matter. It was. If you know who they are, if they're in your playlist now, mm-hmm. I probably rock with them. You just wouldn't have known because we was low key like a midget doorknob. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> we, we stayed down on the low. But I guess also when you put that in the midst of uh, growing up uh, older, I got older and I, I don't look my age, I'm sure. But yeah. I'm 48, I don't have no mm-hmm. problem speaking on my age. Uh, I had to do some things because I had a responsibility. I had a kid, and then I had another kid, and, and the rap money was coming, but it wasn't enough, and it wasn't going to make, you know, this guy's ear infection go away, so right. I needed insurance, <clears throat> and I went ahead and used my, you know, education levels and, and my healthcare level to go ahead and, and, you know, try to root myself with something sustainable that I could take care of my family at that moment, so... That you know, healthcare took over and the rap game kind of slid by the wayside. So everything went to where it was supposed to go. And God's mm-hmm. eye. Absolutely. Um, 
at that moment, hey, you know, I still write bars. I mean, <laughs> I, I hope nobody get crazy because I still got He said it. he's on, he's got I'm, on I'm, deck. I'm, 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 yeah. We write, we, we, y'all say we lit today. We ain't lit, we lit. We said we it. You know, we it. Y'all lit. <laughs> you know, the rap game today is exactly what it is rap you know because mm-hmm. the business side of it and I love some of the rap I mean music is music and the artistry if I don't like an artist and I don't buy his music I'll support it like that that's one thing but if I I will respect any person man or woman um, uh, doing something to better themselves right and as long as you bettering yourself and being able to make other people you know, have a different lighting situation because of what you've created or done from your talent, you know, then I can respect that. So that's the man side of me. I have to be humble enough to say not about what your style is or where you came or how you get yours. Mm-hmm. Your time and error is just that the fact that you did something to, you know, better yourself. So I, I can respect any man that's doing that. Absolutely. That's dope on his own, man. I love it. I love it. So what do you think about this whole six nine Takashi thing? <laughs> Shit, it is sixty eight now. <laughs> Go back to the metaphors. Yeah, you know, uh, Takashi. I mean, I, you understand. You so when you when you think about the level of rap today, I mean, it's it's you know we used to have to do a demo and make right. a tape and and try to get somebody to listen to it. Today, you got to be a YouTube star. That's right. your demo and. Earlier, before that, it used to be, you know, you would press up your own apples and sell them on the block and sell them out the trunk until somebody recognized that, yo, y'all moving units over there. Right. Uh, but 6 9 I mean, creatively, yeah, as like I said earlier, he's a man who made a lane for yep. himself and took some, yep. got some money and <clears throat> was able to do it. And I've seen some nice things that that young man done. He's giving back with schools family and putting people in positions they can eat and feel good about things or or forward their progress or what they doing so you any uh, once again you I can never speak on that enough you, anybody helping somebody to better themselves they call that selfless right see you want to be able to give to somebody and not worry about just yourself I like him uh, I haven't bought his music I haven't downloaded nothing and Obviously, we don't burn nothing no more because, you know, LimeWire, BearShield, <laughs> yeah. and all of that is gone. Hey, you better get that streaming right. That, yeah. that subscription better get yeah. going. Yeah, I'm a, a title subscriber, and I got Amazon, but uh, I hear some things here and there, and some of the things I just don't agree with because the lyricism in me or, or the level of hip-hop that I've been around is, you know, it's not what I've been like, you know, okay. But right. some of the stuff I rock. Some yeah. of it is pumping. Some of it is bumping. Travis Scott is one of the hottest things out right now and, and, and I can actually feel what he's doing and uh, I mean hey you go to a show and you see a show this time we getting back to the levels of having show versus right. some part of my latter part of my uh, hip hop era you know we had 20 dudes on stage you, 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 you don't know who was saying what right but so that's showmanship so today you know the dollar sign obviously um, you know makes a better appearance for people and they can do things and now we going into you know, you have to have this amount of money to look a certain way, this mm-hmm. amount of jewelry or this amount, this car and all of that, you know, but let's just go back to bars, man. Right. Bars, man. I'm a, my lyricist, man, I like, you know, Fabulous is my dude. Fabulous is all done. F-A-B-O. <laughs> I love Frank Billionaire. Y'all don't know him, y'all better find out. Y'all better get up on Fred the Godson. Frank is nice. 
Fred the Godson, uh, Red Cafe, I mean, the whole Street Fam, Joe Budden was a nice battle rapper, you mm-hmm. know, his cast. Eminem is my guy. And, I mean, it's so many why I love Nipsey. Nipsey's just, he just bubbled up so good. And, right. I mean, it's just so many artists, so don't don't put me in a box and think I just like <laughs> one certain level or this and nah, there's so many people enough. Of course, I'm sure a lot of my Texas artists. And, so how, how do you relate, how do you relate that hip-hop, like, that music, that craft to, to your life. I remember specifically, and I don't know if you remember, but it, it sticks with me to this day, but I remember you would take me to 128th Street, we yes. would go hoop, and then I remember we were coming home one day and we were listening to, I think, maybe Jay or something, but mm-hmm. uh, I just remember it so specifically, but we were, you were rapping, I mean, like we always do in the car, just spin the lyrics yeah. with the rapper, and I remember you told me, you were like, when... When they're spitting bars, switch, like when he's talking about himself in third person, that's you. Like mm-hmm. talk about, that's talking about switch your name and for Jay's name. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that I still do to this day. It might sound crazy, but it's like, I think hip hop on its own just gives you that self-belief, that swag, that confidence, yeah. that um, that knock just knowing that, yo, like these dudes are just like you and that's not just exactly. a, a black thing a white thing that's mm-hmm. that's a culture that's a lifestyle and that's what we like so hip hop jazz was one of the original musics with its own culture so mm-hmm. obviously hip hop samples from everybody right hip hop became a culture because we enforced it and infused it with multiple genres like graffiti like DJing and, and break dancing and then it became a culture about dress. It was your attitude, the way you could have an attitude with the way you dress without saying something. Right. <laughs> that's, that's dope. You had a voice by the way you look without saying something. I mean, dancing was always, you know, in the history of time. So, you know, but um, the lyricisms, when they relate to you and when people are really, really writing and you can feel. Right exactly the emotion and what they were going through or you've seen it before and you you know that's what makes you such a fan of what they're talking about and then I used to listen to one or two beats and I don't like it one or two beats and then I listen to two or three more from dip from on on the CD and I'm like yo I like this this is pumping because it's beat now I feel it the beat right now I'm gonna get into the lyrics right and then those songs that I didn't like up front I've given them the patience and the space to listen to him now. Now I can hear exactly what he's saying because, you know, when it's sunny, everybody happy. When it's raining, you know, things, you know, people put people in tight situations and right. you know, make people stand up and the hair stand up. So, <laughs> you know, you create opposition for them and obstacles when it's raining like that. Uh, I like the fact that your range has to be something with music nowadays. You can't mm-hmm. be in a lane just talking about my Gucci belt. Yo, 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 yeah. my Gucci belt. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking you need to pull your pants up with your Gucci belt. <laughs> your ass with your Gucci belt. <laughs> you know, you got to take that shit a lot of spots, man. Yeah. You know, uh, don't just wear it with that same shirt or that same shoe. Get some flavor about yourself. So if you take what I just said and you think about it metaphorically, you taking that belt and you applying it to a lot of things so you create life for something, a shirt or two that you never wore. Mm-hmm. And now you still have it, but everybody think you got something new. But it's not, it's been there, it's just, just got flavor to it now. So right. 
Hip hop has always been that influence on my lifestyle. I'm a part of the hip hop generation, uh, the birth of it. Uh, I was born in 1970, hip-hop was born in 1972, so sorry hip-hop, I got you about two years. Uh, <laughs> I know my history, I'm mean, at anything, not just hip-hop, at anything. Become a historian. Right. Find out what it is you like about something and then why and, and, and what's the history behind it. So become a historian. Yes, sir. Become a historian, that's the tagline. Yes. That's it. Well... Uh, you know, going to that, I mean, we, we talked about football, we talked about hip-hop, we talked about culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about just the sense of, you know, the, the I mean, the stereotype of, right? I mean, you're a, you're a black man in the mm-hmm. community and doing positive things. I mean, this guy is literally, like you say, if you go in the barbershop, just go in there. He's the liveliest dude, the funniest <sighs> dude out there he's always striking a conversation that's engaging people to think mm-hmm. um and challenge exactly and it's like we don't get that much in there i mean we don't get we don't see that that type of figure in the community as much and then even further so he's a dad of three yeah. one who's not even blood so like i mean talk about how like what inspires you to stay in that lane and keep pushing that that limit you're in a process now where you're, where you're, you know, you see, you've seen the walks of life. You've been mm-hmm. inspired. You, you're pushing it. And I could have relaxed. Right. But and, and see, that's that's my biggest thing right there. Process that's like, you could have stopped ten years ago. Yeah. You could have stopped when you're 22, 23. Yeah. Purpose too big. Yeah. Purpose too big. And that, and I like that. Uh, 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 as you do get, as you get older and mature, and if you're really paying attention to life and not just live in life, pay attention to life. Uh, you, you, things slow down to you. They, they come, you know, as a rookie playing football, you, uh, it's a big game, it's fast, it's speedy, it's different in college, it's just different. I mean, you, as a rookie, it's so different, and, but when you get some years behind you, the game slows down. It's a science in it, and, and you start to learn. Damn, it really is X and O's. It really is a game of inches. And so I relate that football. I mean, football is always going to relate to anything I do. But uh, I can relate that to life. Is um, I could have slowed down. I could have stopped. But mm-hmm. uh, I like to call it a blessing. I mean, you know, it's my ability to reach people, no matter what walk of life, no matter race, creed, color, um, and culture today. Uh, we have to throw culture in it now because we have so many sub subgenres of culture now, Generation X and yes, all these different things like that. Um, but as long as they people, they never stop being people. Right. So when as long as you're a people person, uh, like I'm in the public, I'm, a, I'm you know we're gonna have something to talk about. I just need five minutes. I've been a leader all my life, and I never. <clears throat> I like to think of myself when I walk in the room, the air gets a little clearer, and that's because I'm in anesthesia. But right. I like to think the oxygen is fresh. I like to think the light just got a little brighter because I know I got something to give and I got something to say. And as long as one person walk out with that, yo, you all right, man. You know, this dude, who is that guy? You know, that guy right there, is that same guy coming in the barbershop? 
you know, coming in. And we have some, so we have some super duper topics and some super duper things, life changer moments and events that we talk about. They were thinking of recording sessions and, and, and just <laughs> setting the pub. We might have to set up the podcast yeah, there. Broadcast from the barbershop. That'd be, and cool. that'd be a nice concept. Yeah. Um, at the same time, just reaching people is, 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 the, is the basis. And as long as you never stray away from that, you don't have to quit. You don't have to say, well, I reached a certain pinnacle. I could right. you know, oh, well, well, it's grown men now. I don't have to deal with them, you know, too much. Like, nah, nah, you... There was no difference in my children. I never made a difference. Uh, Birth-related or not, I started being a father to my own first because that was the foundation. Then I started fathering kids outside of my 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 circle because mm-hmm. I don't even have to say bloodline I, right. I, outside of my circle I'm a father to the community now and being able to sit up on that and know that I'm not braggadocious about it I know that it's right. a confident I have too many people who have given me the evidence that I'm a father in the community like that so obviously if it's about love then you're going to do the right thing a lot of cats will tell you some things but do they really mean it right. is it something that they've been through before they go for it when you love somebody, you don't tell them nothing to hurt them. So you want people to grow. Absolutely. I like to watch people grow. I love it, man. Yeah, yeah. That's the gift. Yeah, that exactly, gift. man. I, um, you know, again, uh, the watch my son do his thing and, <laughs> and you know, leave basketball. We set three-point records and, and set up. Used to be called a Cascade Killer at one point. And <laughs> the Cas who? Cascade <laughs> Killer. Yeah, yeah. I'll rock with Cascade at oh, all. Whatever. Yeah. But it was, yeah. What, some brewing? Yeah. Red team. No disrespect, Darian. We know you went there. Yeah. We We don't know what uh, Devin might do. He might be. You know, yeah, we know free, what he won't do. Free agency, yeah. You know, he will not do Michael yeah. Tito. We don't do, we don't do purple. Yeah, it's always been now, but we got off of him too. Um, now it's uh, you know, I just feel like watching the growth and maturation of my boys, and then watching the growth and maturation of some people in the community that I've coached. It's it is a, a dopamine release when you have people come up and say, hey you coach my brother mm. hey, you know yeah. like when a friend requests me on you know on my social media which you can follow me at uh, the best you never had spelled never had and you'll see coach Corey there yes sir um i don't post much but i post a lot of stuff on, on on my story here and there and you can go back way far down and look at some of the stuff that i've been around i've been accomplished about um I don't really, you know, flavor the social media too heavy, you know, because <laughs> the smartphone has made us dumb, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, at the same sure. time, though, um, you know, it, it, it marvels me when I see parents who know me and, mm-hmm. and when I see the older brother recognizes that I coach the younger brother or right. the younger cousin and, and they just, you know, coach Corey, coach Corey people in the grocery stores. It doesn't matter where I go. So it's crazy. Do I feel like a celebrity? Mm, nah, I just feel like people know me. That's right. right. I, I don't want that. And know you in a, in a positive way. Know you in a, yes. in a inspiring way. That's why I think you were perfect for, I mean, you hit me right after the first episode. You're like, I'm next on the cast. I was like, yeah. You're already, coach, you're already ahead of me. Like, I already yeah. wanted you on this one. Yeah. But it's like, uh, you know what I'm saying? I, I think that's that's the biggest thing, man, is that it's like you've been an inspiration to the community. And it's not it's not just based on dollar signs. It's based on what you've given back mm-hmm. to 
your community. I think that's a mentorship type of level for anybody. And being a great mentor is just being a great person. Mm -hmm. That comes from being rooted. Right. And you're, you're only as good as the stock that you came up out of. Absolutely. And, and, uh, and I, I credit that to, you know, uh, which is my mother's birthday today, 75 yeah. years old. You got to think about that. Yes, now, today, we can order our food by the number, you know, number one, number five, number six, number eight. Back then, they grew their food, and they, that's right. why the older folks lived a lot longer, because they ate off the ground. Um, to be 75, you know, uh, that's crazy because... You know, a lot of us ain't expected to make it. Growing up in the gangs, when they were first popping off in the early 90s, uh, the black man had an expectancy rate, a life expectancy rate, which they were getting ready to consider us a endangered species at one point, which is unfathomable for right. all the people who fought for us and civil rights and all the people who paved the way for us to think that you guys gonna tear it up we did all of this just so y'all could just do this over that of a neighborhood or a color or the wrong look. Right. And, you know, road rage is so high now. And, I mean, you know, the living is hard. Dying is easy. You know? Mm -hmm. That's the situation. You don't take nothing to die. You don't have to be doing too much to die. Yeah. Um, I've seen my share, you know, as living in a pretty predominantly white community. Uh, some forms of racism here and there. Uh, mm -hmm. It's never blatant in my face, uh, but it's it's there. And then I have to protect and watch my kids growing up and watch the kids in the community that I raised growing right. up. Uh, and just be knowledge, man, because, you know, without the knowledge, you don't have power. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, a lot of cats, uh, uh, which another reason why I keep promoing or saying about the barbershop, yeah. Uh, we get some very interesting walks of life in there and they all based upon trying to do something positive. We all come to a collective and do something positive. So, you know, it don't take just me. I need other men to jump in and help raise my kids. Right. You know, I need other men to help raise these kids here because that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to raise everybody else's kids too. And it's just progression. You get older, you slow down, you see things. You, you see the young folks doing things you used to do and yeah. bragging about what they doing like they did it first and you know, <laughs> take the hottest needle and go bust their damn bubble. But you can curve it and put a little flavor on it, you know, and yeah. next time I bust your bubble, maybe confetti will come out, you see. Yeah. So now here we go, metaphorically yeah. that you bring life to something different. Right. You bring it at a different angle and uh and that's how we do it, man. So and that's what it's about. So I'm a, I want to ask just this last question. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, this. I feel like this episode was about the process, the engagement with the community, yeah. that mentorship, your purpose, um, all of that. So it's like what it's college graduation. You know, this, I already graduated. So right. it's college graduation. But what's, you know, one word of advice that you want to give to, you know, that kid as far as his journey of life, his or her journey of life. And, um, you know, what, what would you, what would you tell them on that stage? Um, one well, journey of life period, I think I'm going to start in three segments. Uh, mm -hmm. when you're, when you're younger and you really start to hit high school, high school for anybody listening that's in high school, you have to understand that this is right here going to be the building block and anything has to have a foundation. So a lot of kids don't recognize that. 
they're taking an accumulation of a total of your freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior year and making it a total to give you a GPA for how you're going to transition to go to college next. Mm-hmm. Um, or placement. <clears throat> some of y'all take the ACT. Some of y'all take the SAT. You know, So it, it, just get in, number one. And no matter if you went to JC or if you went to a trade school, right. you know, your hunger has to be for more. As one of our great rappers album was titled a Lloyd Banks uh, you have to want more right you have to think and I used to tell my kids your your grades is your uh, paycheck mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you either gonna live this way or you're gonna live that way now, I'm gonna give you the hustle and I'm gonna give you the game but from there you have to use that and, and grow with that within yourself not the way I want you to do it but then your grades are going to propel you into situations where you can go further educate yourself. And um, the college kids, you know, yeah, it's partying and hanging out and kicking and being young and free, you know, wild. And, uh, but you got to remember, you know, the, the, the clock never stops. Mm-hmm. It's going to keep ticking. And you're going to get older. So you need to go in there and get your purpose taken care of and have fun doing it. As long as you find that balance, you're great. Um, high school, if you're trying to go to college, you need to surround the circle of people that you're around with and make sure that that's what they want to do. You need right. to have that drive to be around it. And that's why I was always so blessed that your friends was, you know, everybody was doing something, man. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody didn't do it at the same levels or the same time, but they were still moving and doing something. You got a great group of friends around you, so you should probably have a great group of, you know, camaraderie and, and and, you know, an outcome of things that you're trying to do, push forward to. I would have never thought my son had a podcast. I would have never thought myself would <laughs> be selling homes and high-rises or whatever like that. I would have never thought that. Uh, so it is what it is. And uh, the doors is always open. You don't have to quit at anything. You have to finish everything, though. Right. Man. Yeah. That's, that's what I love to hear. I mean, yeah. it, you've always told me that, you know, if you're going to do something do your best and be be number one at it. I mean, this dude had me had me shooting shots at nine o'clock at night, but not not on a forceful level because he knew well. Hey, he had that self belief in me, and then in, t- in addition to that, he knew what it had to take. And something that I want to close out with too is just saying that um, you know that intention of just throwing me in the fire to do it. You know what I mean? Like taking me to to basketball courts mm-hmm. in, down in the Central District or in Everett. Yeah, we used to drive all over the U.S. just and, to get you to do it, but You know, just throwing me in there and just, just going to do it, taking that action. Yeah. I think that's something that nowadays it's like I look back at that and I'm like, okay, yeah. I, I can see that purpose. Yeah, and my thing was to get you around people who was doing it and seeing it, even at different things. My good homie, your good homie, Tony Anderson, was mm-hmm. a soccer player when we met him. And, and he was a <laughs> nice athlete on certain things, played basketball, did everything, and we just hung together. And right. we all just played ball. We we practice on Fisher Price goals and we play, we shoot two, three thousand shots. That's no lie. Five hundred free throws <laughs> a night. I mean, we would do things and your mother used to be like, that boy, it's time for him to go to bed. He wanna go in the house. He used to bring him in. I was like, Hey, you gotta hit this one shot. Yeah. <laughs> and it ain't me, it's him. He wanna hit the shot. Right. You know, so So going back to that more, I mean, you gotta have I throw out the Drake reference, you threw out the hunger for more, but more life. You gotta have like that more mentality to go do whatever you're trying to do yes yeah i think that's so important uh 
that structure, family, friends, which is family to me, um, and belief in yourself and how do you get belief in yourself then go ask God about that have your relationship with God so yes sir and that's how we win and uh hey man love is love it's been fun yes sir love is love yeah well that's that's what it is I just want to congrat or not congratulate you I want to thank you for coming on the cast Mm -hmm. as a mentor as a father of the community and we did this this one's gonna live yeah yeah we, so, this is gonna be right this one's gonna live yeah we can uh uh hey whatever like i said we got ideas coming up and uh yes sir you guys go ahead and tune in to something good something great man you do some wonderful things over here they got a good group of friends they got some topics and uh, again yeah say what's up email them you know let the people know where you at and and that way you can uh get some feedback and new topics from people and you know start doing things you might broadcast from another spot might broadcast from another spot we just growth and elevation growth and elevation I love it well that's love that's episode two and we're gone alrighty appreciate it see you guys yes sir one